We would like to play. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Racial Diversity Gaming Hour. No, this isn't a mistake. Uh, this is KGB Gary taking over as host for today. How is everybody? Ben, welcome. Thank you. Once again. Uh, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? What have you been up to? Uh, not much, to be honest. I know it's Easter weekend. I visit my sister today. Uh, apart from that, it's been just a usual day, really, to be honest. Ah, exciting, exciting. Um, we are also joined by the commissioner, Glenn Gordon. How are you? I'm good. I've been temporarily dethroned by the KGB. Yes, this is what happens when you don't listen to the KGB. <laughs> you disagree with me all the time. It was one. It was one episode... Of a completely different podcast. I, I, I apologized. I'm sorry. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I got um, I got a copy of Pokemon X. Yeah. Right now. But the thing is, when I got it, I bought the um, I bought the 3ds as well, and I bought the 3ds from Amazon. And this whole thing's been uh, not from Amazon, from uh, eBay, and. The whole thing's been a mess because I really wanted, like, the you know, the limited edition 3DS, the red and the blue one that came out with Pokemon X? The one that yeah. makes me jealous. Yeah. I found one on eBay for, it wasn't that bad. I was like, oh, well, it's not available anymore, and it's only, it was 235 bucks. So I was like, oh, that's not too bad, and so I bought it. And I bought Pokemon X on Amazon with the idea that they would arrive on the same day. But no, Amazon's so great that they sent it to me the next day, and wow. I, I have it. And then I looked online, like, Googling it, I guess because I was excited, Googling the 3DS, and I found that Walmart has them for, like, 200 bucks. <laughs> that Amazon has them for $219, so I guess the joke's on me. But um, either way, uh, Wednesday... the game with it? Uh, no, the game doesn't come with it. It's, uh-huh. it's separate. Because uh, the 3DS came out... The, the, the special 3DS came two weeks or so before the game launched. Mm-hmm. So they, they kept them separate. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We are also joined by the ever disappearing and returning. The elusive man. <laughs> the elusive man. Mr. Yeah. Ernest Lewin. Yep. You? Good, good. It's good to be back. Yes, you were recently at a convention. Yeah, that was like, uh, well, like two two weekends ago. Yeah, Anime Detour in Minneapolis. Yeah, was there yep. a lot of anime artists that are famous anime artists? Why? Uh, there was Arena Tenamura, uh, who's like one of my favorite manga artists slash authors. Um, so that's the main reason why I went was to see her and get her autograph and whatnot. And um, what? Did yeah, she write? What what manga is it? Uh, I'd say her most famous is Full Moon Oshagashite, which is uh. Like searching for the full moon is what it translates to. Um, yeah, there was some cool cosplay. There were not just one, but two Delsons. Real, um, of course. Infamous second son. <laughs> Easiest costume to make. 
Was one of them Fraser? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, I was really hoping that one of them would be evil and one of them would be the good one. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, my favorite anime has started up again. Fairy tale. What? Was, um, my favorite anime fairy tale. It's on Netflix season two. It's, on, it's not on Netflix. No, but it's on Crunchyroll. The, um, oh. cause it, it had been going, uh, it's this anime about um, a magical, uh, a guild that's magic. They, they use magic. To complete jobs and whatnot, and um, they uh, went on hiatus about this time last year because they were catching up to the manga, and they finally started again. And I'm so excited! It's back on Crunchyroll. Is it, I hate it when they do an anime before like the manga kind of ends, mm-hmm. because now like Titanfall or Attack on Titan, I should say. Sorry, <laughs> Titanfall the anime. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that video, Attack on Titanfall? No. Oh, it's like a mix between Titanfall and Attack on Titan. It's hilarious. Nice. Check it out. <laughs> no, I can't wait. Well, to be honest, do you notice that the new Naruto game has Mecha Naruto in it? What? what what's a Mecha Naruto? It's a robotic, go- uh, robotic Naruto. It's like like a version of Mecha Godzilla. Is that Mecha Godzilla? <laughs> huh. It kind of looks a bit like that. Uh, it's weird. <laughs> I put my. I'm trying to put. Make sure my name's down for the review though, because I did the previous ones. So, man, yeah, because now like with Attack on Titan, you know, they they finished the first manga series, which they did the first season of the anime, and now they're working on the second manga series, and now I gotta wait probably like three years before I get the anime of that. Right. Said God, why do I have to wait so long? Makes me sad. Yeah. Um, before we really get started, there is something I would like to say. Is that okay, Gary? Yes, that is okay. All right. This has absolutely nothing to do with gaming. We are a gaming podcast first and foremost, but um, this news has been going on for a little while, and I just wanted to address it here with our audience. Um, a week ago on Sunday, on my birthday, in fact, uh, this girl named Sarah decided it would just be a fantastic idea to tweet American Airlines and say that she was a member of Al-Qaeda and that she was going to, quote, do something really big, end quote, on June 1st. Um, American Airlines was completely unamused. Uh, Here's how it went. Uh, Sarah said, hello, my name's Ibrahim and I'm from Afghanistan. I'm part of Al-Qaeda, and on June 1st, I'm going to do something really big. Bye. And American Airlines replied, Sarah, we take these threats very seriously. Your IP address and details will be forwarded to the security and to the FBI. And Sarah flipped out. Like, she had a meltdown. She was like, I'm so stupid. I'm scared. It was just a joke. I'm sorry. I'm just a girl. I'm, I'm not from, I'm white. I'm not from Afghanistan. I'm, I was just kidding. I'm only 14. I can't blow up a plane. It's just on and on. And, um, well, I guess she wasn't all that concerned because then she noticed that she was getting a lot of followers after this error. And she just kind of interrupted her pleas for mercy to try to auction off her Twitter account for $500. Um, anyway, that, that's besides the point. Um, she was arrested. USA Today says that she was arrested. Um, I don't know what happened to her. 
American Airlines seems to be trying to move past it. And of course, the FBI, FBI is not commenting. I think that she probably just kind of got a slap on the wrist because they're, they're not making anything public about it and they kind of want to move on. Um, and here's where I wanted to address the public. This is not actually over. Abra- um, Abraham, um, what am I saying? I'm sorry, I actually just woke up from a nap. I'm trying to think here. American Airlines did kind of try to move on, but surprisingly, now they are getting dozens, dozens of tweets from people threatening to blow things up with bombs. And, and you know, it's like, oh, well, can I bomb you too, American Airlines? Pretty yeah. please, I ask politely. You know, can I, uh, I'm going to bomb you if you don't do this. Can you bomb me? I'm going to bomb something else. I'm going to attach a bomb to the plane and it's going to go off in three hours. And it's just ridiculous. You know, it's Southwest. They're doing this to Southwest too, which is just so freaking random because Southwest was completely uninvolved and suddenly they're getting this too. But um, this is, this is extremely serious because this is a matter of national security. We're talking about here when, when airlines get stuff like this, when anyone get stuff like this they must take it seriously i can think of a very specific event in september of 2001 which is an extremely good reason why they have to take this stuff seriously and so when you have people screwing with it and they think it's funny and you know my opinion on internet trolls is another rant for another time okay but if you're going to troll there are certain lines you do not cross this is one of them okay Taxpayers are paying money for people to investigate situations like this. And if you're sending them on wild goose chases, I mean, for one, for one, it's, one big red flag with that is it's crying wolf. Okay. How are they supposed to take anything seriously if they don't know what's serious anymore? And if, if everyone's just going to start tweeting bomb, bomb threats to airlines, you know, how are they going to know what they really need to be paying attention to? You know, what if something really does happen and you know, it's just like, oh, another one of these, another one of these dumb tweets from some dumb internet people. You know, what if something really does happen? That's that's a big deal. So I want to urge everybody within the sound of my voice um, to, and everyone who is with you and everyone who you know, leave the freaking airlines alone. Leave the airlines alone. Leave the FBI alone. This is not funny, okay? This is not... This is not, uh, even as an internet troll, this is not a line that you cross, period, okay? Let them do their jobs. The lives of passengers and crew and everyone else is at stake. So do not troll. (laughs) I can't believe I even have to say this, but do not troll the airlines with bomb threats, okay? That's, That's ridiculous. All right, so that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, I did hear about. I did read about that. It's stupid. It's the 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 latest, really, really stupid thing that teenagers are doing. It's, and I don't. Know. I think it's just like they see. Oh, this girl got off with a slap on the wrist, so I guess I can get away with it too. Yeah. But I would really like at this point for them to start pressing charges on people. All right. I'd I'd like to have them start pressing charges on people because this is serious. This is freaking serious. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if and no, you cannot get away with the the entire point of this is that, that you can't get away with it. You know, it's like oh, it's a fourteen year old girl, 
did something stupid, made a mistake. That does not mean that everybody else gets to come in and make that same mistake on purpose just for the kicks, okay? So leave them alone. Let them do their jobs. Yeah, well, I first want to say thanks, Glenn, for putting us on the FBI watch list. You're welcome. <laughs> I am not American. <laughs> Don't say that, Ben. <laughs> it, 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 Interpol's watch list. <laughs> He's British. Yeah. Okay. Um, I totally agree with you with what you just said. I think everybody who sent one in at this point, I think the FBI should charge them with some serious charges at this point. Well, I'm not saying I'd like, take them to prison. But throw them in jail for a few days and find the crap out of them. Yeah, I mean, this is, I guess the message that they're saying is we, you can get away with this. And I'd like them to show them that, no, you cannot get away with this. This is a big deal. Yeah, I think there are some things that you just don't do. One of those, especially with the history that's gone on with it. Mm-hmm. It, it it's just stupid at this point. It's just teenagers being as dumb as they possibly can. And they should totally be punished for it, in my opinion. For yeah. Things like that. Completely agree. I mean, the, what, what this reminds me of is to a point of that, of that kid who said, uh, uh, who's in, who's in jail right now, I think in Texas, because of the comment he made on Facebook about going and on a killing spree in a, in a school or something after <laughs> one of his friends pissed him off on Facebook. That, that was on League of Legends, actually, I think. Oh yeah, we go there. You go, and now he's facing life in prison because of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't do that, and just because the government happens to have mercy on a freaked out fourteen year old doesn't mean that it's okay for everyone to start doing this. Yeah, Not- and it also just shows like he said this in in a video game, and you know he's being punished at this point to the full extent of the law, but these people are getting away with something that, in my opinion. It, is way more serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, I think we should go on to gaming related stuff. Okay. Well, before we become like another Howard Stern type podcast, <laughs> <laughs> this is what's in the news today. Well, in the news today, actually interesting news broke out this week that Sony has unloaded a 9.5 million shares of Square Enix, and they have sold it off. Uh, that is about 8.2%. They, they ha- Sony has held an 8.2% stock in, in Square Enix, which they have sold off, and the 9.5 million shares are valued at $156 million. And they are expected to profit at $47 million from this transaction. What do you guys have to say about this? What's going on? Why would they do this? Um, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> let me, that's, that's the reaction that's going around for everyone right now. Nobody knows mm-hmm. why Sony would, would do something like that because I, I think that it might send a message of some sort to Square Enix. Um, that they probably don't want to send. If I had to guess, I'd say it's just because they need money. Um, Sony's not in the best of positions right now as a company, looking to turn that around, uh, hopefully with the PlayStation 4. And my guess, and it's just a pure guess, is that they need money. Yeah, I feel like, if anything, yeah, it is more of a financial move. Uh, 
rather than rather than anything really personal. Um, eight point two percent probably wasn't doing a whole lot for them, votes wise, at any like shareholder meetings, and so I'm thinking that they just figured, hey, let's cash out what we can and then use that to invest in something that'll give us a return on investment sooner rather than later. But at $47 million, do you think that's going to help them at, at all at this point? I mean, $47 million, we talk about like it is a lot of money, but seeing as how much games cost to make these days, that could be like a price of a game. I yeah, I, I mean, I guess every little thing helps. We don't, yeah, we don't know. Well, what. you're looking at that, but the thing is, I don't think Sony, the company Sony itself... Um, makes game. They have their. They have studios that they own and operate that make games. But I don't think Sony as itself um, makes games. So I don't know that that forty-seven million will go to making a game. Exactly. Yeah. Well, coming off of this, it is interesting to note that you guys said that it could be because they just need the money they're hurting. Because since twenty fourteen, they've shut down their bio computer systems. <laughs> they've laid off five thousand employees. Yeah. They restructured their entire business model or TV business model. They sold their their Tokyo headquarters, which is pretty big. And they're expected to lose $1.1 billion at the end of the year, which they've said themselves could put their entire company in jeopardy of bankruptcy. Wait, the the one the losing the billion dollars at the end of the year, I haven't heard that one before. Did they say why? What? what that billion dollars is going to? No, they just warned investors that they expect to incur a $1.1 billion loss at the end of the year. Oh, okay. Man, that's a big deal. That's a big that, deal. That's a huge deal for Sony right now. Well, I think the loss is in part because of the restructuring. You know how they say it's always darkest before the dawn? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to pretend to be a business expert, quite frankly. I'm not even a business major in my college. Um, but... I really feel like Sony's trying really hard right now. They've done a lot of R&D and a lot of manufacturing, shipping, promotion, advertising for the PlayStation 4. They have a new line of PlayStation Now compatible 4K Sony Bravia TVs coming out. You know, they're doing move they're do, doing amazing Spider-Man 2. Like they're spending all this money toward the idea that they would make a return on it. And I feel like this is what it is. I I feel like right now they've they've spent all the money and they're just kind of waiting for the return. And it, um, again, this is only guessing. Like this is all we can do right now is just guess. I I'm not an expert and I don't have a lot of information about what's going on with them. But I, I do hope that it works out because one one billion dollars is quite a loss, quite a loss indeed, especially for a company not in the most favorable of financial positions right now. Mm-hmm. So, Sony, good luck to you. <laughs> now, we, we talk about how Microsoft might be selling off the Xbox division because it's not making them any money. Could Sony possibly sell off the PlayStation division? Heck no. Heck no. I think it's one of no their way. only divisions that actually make them money. Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if the day they sell off PlayStation is the day that they have, like, nothing left, um, because their electronics, I'm, I'm not going to lie, Sony's electronics, I believe, are really good. Um, but 
and and I think that they actually do well in selling things for businesses like professional cameras and, and things like that. But as far as consumer electronics go, um, they're not. Actually, their new cell phones are beautiful. The Z, uh, the Z three, I think it's called Z two, the yeah, waterproof Z2. one. Gorgeous phone, yeah. and I, I think that they've started to take steps in the right direction. But um, if they were to sell off PlayStation, my goodness, that would be the beginning of the end for them right now, because that's what's keeping Sony relevant as a company right now. Interesting. Interesting. I, I like my Z phone. Oh, you got? Did you get one? No, I've got the original. Oh, the original one. I'm, I'm on contract, so I'm gonna have to wait until next year before I upgrade. If I wasn't an iPhone guy, I would get one. I would totally get one. I uh, see. I'm an Android guy, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 well, by the time I get my contract ends, the Z3 will probably be out. So. I can't. I can't <laughs> leave iPhone in part because I'm extremely used to it and I love iPhone. And in part because I have unlimited internet kind of grandfathered oh. in from my iPhone 3GS <laughs> a decade ago. So I'm nice. I'm afraid to change phones because I'd lose it. Well, yeah, I, I miss my unlimited internet, but I got such a good deal on this damn phone, I had to sort of bite. Had to take it. <laughs> well, but 28 quid a month with the phone completely free. No, no charge for the actual phone itself. Yeah, that's good. At the time, it was a four hundred quid phone, so that's about what six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. I had to, I had to. It's cost way too much money these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. And you know what? Worried... Sorry, I was gonna say instead of getting a phone, you could get a Vita. <laughs> yeah, Vita. <laughs> I'm still kind of worried about like the unlimited internet thing because. I know a couple other people who have unlimited internet and they're just irresponsible with it. Like they'll come and tell me, yeah, I downloaded 60 gigabytes off of, of Verizon's network or AT&T's network. And it's, and yeah, they sent me an email telling me not to do that, but I'm not going to listen. I'm going to download some more. And it's just like, dude, it's people like you that are the reason that we don't have nice things that we can't have nice things, you know, cause you're just, you're just going to be irresponsible with it and just abuse it. And then eventually they're just going to take it away like I, on the other hand, I use it for like Spotify in the car or, or things like that. I don't abuse it, but like, yeah, but, but it's free internet. I would totally abuse free stuff. It is not free internet. I am paying thirty bucks a month well, okay. to have unlimited uh, internet. unlimited internet. It's unlimited. He's unlimited paying. power. So why can't he go and download everything he wants? Because the whole reason that they the phone companies put a limit on the stuff in the first place is because they don't want people to, uh, to use their network that way. Yeah. But if, if they're paying for having it unlimited, Mm -hmm. they should have the right to do whatever they want with it. I have have unlimited internet on my actual main line, you know, at home, not my mobile. And you still get letters in the UK if you use too much internet. I downloaded, uh, 600 gigabytes in one month. And I got a bit of a, a warning for downloading so much data. Wow, that's crazy, dude. <laughs> well, Six hundred gigabytes. Well, when you got, when you can download a gigabyte in like, well, I downloaded the whole of Final Fantasy fourteen in about uh, just under an hour, and that's just over thirty gig. Yeah. You you end up using a lot of internet. Yeah, and <laughs> I think that um, you know if. 
if you're paying for unlimited internet, yes, the phone company will honor that. But um, for me, when I upgrade my iPhone, I get the option to upgrade my unlimited internet and take it with me, which I've been doing. And um, I think eventually they're just going to stop that and say, okay, yeah, after this, no more unlimited internet availability for you. Now you have to switch to a limited um, internet contract. And I feel like they're going to start doing that for everyone if people just keep abusing it like that. Aren't your contracts pretty ridiculous anyway? I've heard that your like even your, your actual internet prices are insane. In America? Yeah. Compared to like Europe. Oh, I have no knowledge of that. All I know is I can't wait for Google Fiber to come out to the rest of the country. Well, how much do you pay right now for your... What, what internet speed have you got? I have 100 gigabits... Uh, I wish. 100 megabits per second, but nice. I'm I'm kind of in a special situation. I'm not yeah, paying for true. it specifically. It's kind of lumped in with my rent because I'm a college yeah. student. Well, um, I'm, I'm paying for nearly 80 megabits per second. 18? 80. 80? 80. Yeah. And I only, I only pay about, uh, what, it would be about $60 a month. That's including free national calls, free international <laughs> calls, free mobile calls, and a TV package. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> do you know about Google Fiber? Yeah, I'm, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. It's only in like two cities right now. <laughs> I want to but, move to those two yeah. cities just because it can go up to what I heard it can go up to a terabit. Well, I don't know about all that. I think that might be just rumors, but um, it's it's just fiber. But um, well, fiber can go up to a terabit, but it's just that most services, servers can't handle it. The services uh, they have their eyes on several cities, several more cities: um, Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Salt Lake City, Utah, San Antonio, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Portland, Oregon. Raleigh, Durham, I think I'm saying that right, North Carolina, and San Jose, California could all get the service pretty soon. Heck yeah, I'm getting Google Fiber. Well, Are you uh, here in Salt Lake City? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, if they, ever, but, if they ever make it to uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, then I, I might move over. <laughs> <laughs> I might you move. just move to, to America so you can have Google Fiber. Yeah, pretty much. I want, that, I want the fastest internet possible, even if it uh, means I have to move a country. My internet is already fast enough that I, I go through websites and articles faster than I used to, and I just get bored faster now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. I, 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 I love my internet because earlier on today on Fantasy fourteen, I was playing the Healer class Condra, and because I, I can, I, I can multitask pretty well from playing Scholar. I had Netflix running on my laptop. I was watching Netflix while the party did the, the dungeon. And I healed them while watching Netflix. You and your multitasking. Well, if I just focus on the party, I'll get bored. <laughs> I watched Farscape on my laptop. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, moving on now, guys. <laughs> oh, hey, this is cool. Um... Our buddy Fraser, the shapeshifter Miller, is working on our um, Twitter account, our, our excuse me, not RDJH's Twitter account, but PlayStation Universes. And Sony's filed a couple of trademarks for some new games coming out. That's cool. I bet one of them's Last Guardian too, even more Guardianer. <laughs> more Guardian. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Gary. Go ahead. All right. So 
moving on to another company that's in dire need of help, and that's Nintendo with the Wii U. News has broken out that the Wii U, as of, I think this week, has sold only half of what the Sega Dreamcast sold at the same time frame when it came out. So, for comparison reasons, the Wii U has been out for 17 months now. Sure. And it has sold only 6 million units. Yeah. The Dreamcast sold about 10.6 million in the same time frame. And the Dreamcast, as you all know, killed Sega as a hardware developer. Mm. Now, this is also news because... In five months, the PS4 has now sold 7 million units worldwide. Yeah, that's What does, a, what does Nintendo do? <laughs> Nintendo's in a weird position because they're, they're in a position where they want to sell more hardware, but they can't sell more hardware because they don't have more games. And they can't get more games because nobody's buying their hardware. It's a rough hamster wheel of just running and going nowhere and i'm hoping that when um super smash brothers brawl finally hits or not brawl the next super smash brothers whatever it's called when that finally hits i'm hoping um they sell many more units so that developers can uh, get their eyes back on wii u well glenn with that issue with that game is the fact that it's coming out on the 3ds like six months before the wii u version Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's a terrible decision by Nintendo. It's, so that's people, a... by the time the Wii U version has come out, have played. Um... It should be the other way around. Yeah. It should be the, if if they're trying to boost Wii U sales, that game needs to come out on Wii U first. Period. Like I'm questioning a lot of their decisions. Like for for the same game for Brawl at E3, was it E3 that they announced um, Super Smash Brothers, the next one? I'm not sure, to be honest. It, it's all the blur with Nintendo. They just sort of announce it and it disappears for a little bit. I think it was with e, at E3. They announced it, and then it was like, um, okay, we have this big surprise for you at the end of this announcement for Super Smash Brothers, uh, for the next Super Smash Brothers. I keep trying to say Brawl, uh, for the next Super Smash Brothers. And they're like, yeah, at the very beginning, they're like, yeah, Mega Man's going to be in it. And everyone's like, yeah, okay, cool. So I wonder what this great surprise is going to be. And at the very end, they're like, you'll never guess. It's the Wii Fit Trainer. And everyone's just like, oh my god, no, not that. Oh. Oh. Like, I'm questioning everything that they're doing with this thing is just wrong. Like, the, from, from the beginning, the marketing was terrible. No one, they tried to, they tried to blend over to a, a more hardcore adult audience than they had before. But in doing that, they just completely borked up their advertising and no one knew what the thing was. Like, it's like, is it just an accessory for the current Wii? Like, they didn't even know if it was, people didn't even know if it was a new console or not. Like, when, you're, when that's the case, you should have a lot of red flags saying we're doing something wrong. But, like, everything that they've been doing so far that I've seen has been backwards. And it's just, it's tough to watch because I like Nintendo. And the 3DS is still doing extremely well. Um, I, I just bought one. Um, I, but, think, so, I, think I don't should, think Nintendo as a company is in, in danger, but the Wii U, man, tough to watch. They should just rebrand the Wii U 
the Super Wii. <laughs> the Super Wii. They should just call it Wii Two from the start. No, it's super easy Wii, for consumers to. Yeah or, yeah, or Super Wii, I guess. Because and is that even yeah, that'd just be better than Wii U. Because Wii U is Super just a Wii, terrible name. Not only sounds cool, would also for the fans of the old Nintendo consoles would remind them of the Super Nintendo. Yeah, you had the Net yeah. Nintendo, which sold well, and then it went to the Super Nintendo, which sold even better. So you could have the Wii, which sold well, and then you could have the Super Wii, which is super. Remember when, in back in 2005, when everyone thought that the new Nintendo console was going to be called the Nintendo Revolution? Oh, yeah. I remember those days. Those were the days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those were the good days. Those were the days when people looked forward to the next Nintendo console. Yeah, because to tell the truth, there's part of me that really wants one, because they've. I feel like they've misrepresented their own console. I got the chance to meet... Uh, Justin Sharp over the past summer, and, and for, if you don't know who Justin Sharp is, um, he is the editor of Pure Nintendo um, or Pure Magazine. I, I, there was something with the name that they didn't like, and he changed it. But it was called Pure Nintendo Magazine. He's the editor of it. I got to meet him when I spent the summer in Nashville last summer. Um, got to go to his house. He has like all this Nintendo stuff. It's so cool, uh, vintage Nintendo stuff and current Nintendo stuff. And he has a Wii U, and he let me play on on the Wii U for a while. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. Like, this is a great console. What's going on? And the the thing is, it really is a great console. It's a a perfect logical successor to the Wii. It's more powerful. It can do more. I actually really like the gamepad because it's extremely comfortable in your hands, and it doesn't force you to look at it all the time or use it. It doesn't shove that technology down your throat, but it's just there when you need it, and... Every now and then, the console will say, hey, look down at the touchpad. There's something cool you probably need to see. And it, it's it's a really nice experience. But Nintendo just screwed up the marketing and the perception of the device so bad that there's just no bouncing back right now. It would it would take a revolution for them to get back where they need to be. With. So do you think that, like Ben said, they're releasing Smash Brothers on the 3DS half a year before it comes out on the Wii U? Mm. Do you think... The reason behind that is they pretty much already know that they will gain more sales from the 3DS version than they would for the Wii U version, even if it released sooner. Well, they've pretty much given up on the system at this point. That's that's almost what it feels like. That's almost what it feels like. It, it, I'm not going to say that that move wouldn't make sense for them because the 3DS is where they're succeeding right now. But they've expressed that they want the Wii U to be successful. I mean, why would you make something if you didn't want it to be successful? And this is just not the route to success. I mean, they'd get more Wii U sales. They'd get more consoles sold if they sent it to the Wii U first. Um, And yet... They're, they're sending it to the 3DS first, and everyone's going to buy it on the 3DS. And so f- when it's time for the Wii U to come out, people are going to be like, what? I've already been playing this game for half a year. You know, why do I need to buy it on the Wii U? So uh, it's just it's just kind of disappointing. I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm talking too much. What what do you guys think, Ben? All I can say is with all the, all the um, aim at 3D technologies and virtual reality right now, Nintendo... Listen, listen, listen right now. Come, 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 come closer. Yeah, come. What? I know the oh. Oculus Rift looks nice, 
I know Project Morpheus looks nice. Nintendo, come, come a bit closer, Nintendo. Don't release another Virtual Boy. <laughs> I know you might be thinking it right now because all the 3D technology is going on right now, but just, just don't. Just, just don't. Make it an actual gaming console. Less gimmicks, more gaming. Okay, okay, Nintendo, you don't. Is that, okay. Less gimmicks, more gaming. <laughs> What do, you, what do you think, Ernest? Uh, I would just tell them, lay, make a high-definition version of Super Smash Bros. Melee. Just, it's <laughs> the cheapest, most fiscally responsible. I get people, that game is 70 bucks used, and I can sell that so easily at my store. People will just, you wouldn't even have to do anything. There's just porting it. Just port it over, and people will buy whatever console they need to play that game. Is that pretty much considered the, the definitive version of that? That, that is the definitive version. That is what the hardcore competitive community, and not even just the hardcore people, just everyone in general likes that one. It's yeah, the I, one they like to play. Brawl's my favorite one. That well, was the GameCube one, right? Melee was the GameCube one, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Melee, Melee was really good, but I like Brawl a lot more. I thought I liked the I liked the adventure mode that it had. Um, it had nothing to do with what most people wanted to do with the game, but it was really cool, and, and you got to unlock some new characters and get some good practice in. And it, it really? felt different than just the it was something more than just the arena thing, and I, I really liked that. And I liked the I, melee. Did, did melee have one of those too? Uh, I didn't have like a. It had a single player thing, but it was just kind of stages it really wasn't yeah a platformer campaign like brawl had yeah i really liked that about brawl and i, I liked the characters i liked the music i loved the music the music was great i it's, liked the new stages you too man and quite frankly i was everyone i played with well not everyone but a lot of people i played with were like yeah i like the gamecube controller for brawl but now i liked the wii u remote and the nunchuck for brawl Wow, you are the first person I've met. This no, event. I loved it because oh. I, I got used to it. And for some reason, it felt, I felt kind of, I guess the, the best adjective would be freer with it because I didn't feel like my hands were locked to one place. You know, I could, I didn't have to shake the thing around or anything, but it, it just felt more natural to me to, um, to fight with my hands separated or, or wherever they needed to be. So I, I liked that about it. Now we're getting Smash Brothers, we're getting Mario Kart, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're gonna announce Zelda at E3. I, I don't think so. You don't think they'll announce a brand new Zelda for E3? No, because I think I actually think because of how bad it's going, I think whatever's got, they're making right now will be ported to their next console. And if we do see at E3, what we'll hear is a 2015 release date and then we'll see a push back from 2015 to 2016 and then in 2015 we'll see a an announcement for the new console and then 2016 we'll hear oh you know that new Zelda game that we said a couple of years ago that didn't talk about oh my god it's now for the whatever the console is going to be called the Nintendo box <laughs> yeah but you do you think okay? So maybe they won't show up, but do you think they will announce it? Oh, I think they'll announce it. And I think they'll announce it for the Wii U, but then I think it will be secretly cancelled. 
at the same time. <laughs> so they'll have to show it. No, they'll show a teaser trailer like they did before. Because because they've pretty much released every major franchise that they have, besides Zelda. Yeah, but Zelda is a lot more costly than the other ones, really, because of how big yes. it is. But Skyward Sword released very late in the Wii life cycle. But then look at um, Twilight Princess. That was originally going to be a GameCube title. And then because the GameCube wasn't doing too well, that switched it over to the Wii. But it's still released on the GameCube. That's what I, said. I can still see there being a Wii U release, just with the next console. Okay, but my question is, can Zelda pretty much help them in any way at this point? With the Wii U? Here's the thing for me. Can, oh, um, carry on. Let me illustrate it this way. After I bought my 3DS, I ended up at Walmart. And, you know, whenever I go to Walmart, or any other store for that matter, I, I find myself in the electronic section. What, I, I used to work at this Walmart um, several years ago just for the holidays. And I've worked. I, I got myself to work in the electronic section as much as possible. Um, and so I ended up in the electronic section, and I looked at it. I'm like, I looked at the Wii section, and I'm like, hey, you know, I just spent money on a, a 3DS, a limited edition 3DS in a game. If I cancel that, maybe I could get a Wii U instead. And so I looked, the first thing I did, I did this when I was shopping I shopping around and thinking of getting an Xbox 360 uh, too. I, the first thing I do is I stand there and I look at what games are available for it. And there is absolutely nothing on that shelf that I was interested in. Nothing. Nothing I wanted to play. And like there, there were Mario things and there were Zelda things and there were um, Mario Kart things. And I was like, dude, I've played all this stuff like a million times now. There's, there's nothing new here. And I think that that kind of sentiment echoes with a lot of people with Nintendo. They tend to do the same thing again and again. And that's just kind of the way they work because they're the biggest publisher for their own console, um, the biggest developer for their own console. Unlike both Sony and Microsoft, they make their own game. Their whole business is making games, you know? So as a result, they have a limited number of franchises to work with. And but it's just like for this console, we every major franchise is something that we've been seeing again and again for the past like two decades now. And I think that a lot of people just kind of want something new. And Zelda's nice. Zelda's a great, great legendary franchise. Don't get me wrong. But for me anyway, a new Zelda wouldn't make me want to go buy a Wii U. Um, I it, it would have to take something. It would probably take something else. If, if any one game was to make me buy a Wii U, it would have to be something new that I haven't already played 50 times. All right, well, let me, let me propose this question for you guys, each one of you. Let's start with you, Ernest. If, if you were randomly promoted to be the head of Nintendo, All right. what would you do to fix it? To fix their woes right now? Ooh. Uh, I don't think Iwata has much time left at Nintendo. With the yeah. are going. So you're saying if I was in Iwata's shoes? Yeah. What oh. can you do to turn this around? That's tough. Um, I mean, I would almost want to just just start over with a new console. Is awful <laughs> as that sounds. I just, yeah. Because I just think the Wii U was a marketing failure. I just, 
I don't think they did a lot of things right with it. You think it could have been more successful if they marketed it right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been significantly more successful. I just, um, I just see so many parents and consumers who don't, don't know that it's a new thing. They just don't even know it's a system. They just look at it and they say, Oh, this, this is just a, a tablet screen controller thing, right? For my Wii. And no, it isn't. This is a whole new console that does have some impressive horsepower for a Nintendo system, I guess. And it's just a shame that people don't know about that. What about you, Glenn? Um, it is a tough decision. I don't think at this point, or I don't know at this point, that there is anything that can fix this. Um, but Nintendo can turn... It's just that public perception is a big deal. And when you have a basically people calling you the joke of the, the generation, you know, people's pointing and laughing and making jokes about, hey, you know, at least we're not the Wii U, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very, very difficult to come back from something like that. Um, I don't know that Iwata has to leave. I think that what needs to happen is they need to restructure. They need to publicly announce, okay, we're going to be different now. All right. They need to publicly announce this was the old Nintendo. We're going to do something else now. And I think that they need to start doing these things with the success of the Wii U in mind, because I think that they could, they could pick up so much more on, for example, uh, Super Smash Brothers, which is coming to 3DS half a freaking year before the Wii U. Um, that's, that's not a plan that comes in mind with the success of the Wii U. Uh, with the success of the Wii U in mind. That is not a plan for the success of the Wii U at all. Um, I think that they can make it more successful, but they just need to, A, publicly announce that they're going to be different, and B, start planning for the success of the console. Start, um, you know, marketing it differently. Uh, Marketing more in the first place. I barely see much advertising for the thing. You know, I see advertising for Xbox. I see advertising for um, PlayStation. I barely see any advertising for the Wii U. Um, And even bring those two guys back from the original Wii uh, marketing. You know, we would like to play. They come down there and two random Japanese guys in suits with a funny little car come in and bring a Wii into people's houses and play and then bow all seriously and leave. You like, just do something with your marketing to let people know who you are and what you're selling so that they can actually be interested in it. Um, it takes Again, it takes a lot to change public perception, but these are a couple steps. And, and one, of course, rethinking the Wii U being a bit more general, but these are just some things to get that started. Because I've played the Wii U. A lot of people who are who kind of laugh at the Wii U right now haven't played the thing. I've played the Wii U, and the thing has a lot of potential behind it that is just buried under this poor marketing and... and this poor decision-making on Nintendo's part. So it's a good idea to start taking steps to turn public perception around and hopefully get more developers on board. Yeah, Nintendo has been really slow to pick up on the potential that the the Wii U has. Um, It's just recently that they finally realized, hey, you know what would be great to have on the virtual console for Wii U? DS games. (laughs) That's such a logical thing, I think. Like, oh, you know, this would be great for to 
have sell digital versions of games that are no longer in print. And they can do what Sony's been doing. So here's Sony, and they have the Vita, which is a fantastic handheld, but it wasn't taking off like they wanted, in part because, listen, Sony, your your proprietary memory cards, that needs to go. Okay. <laughs> that's it, that's probably the biggest thing holding the Vita back right now. But um, that aside, they have a console that's struggling and a console that they expect or hope is going to do really well. So they take the two and integrate them together so that you know one kind of feeds off the other. And I know I've complained about this. I've been complaining that, yeah, you know, they've been spending too much time calling the Vita a uh, companion device for the PS4 when it's a console that needs to stand on its own. And I do believe that they have. But what's worked for them with that is that the fact that they've paired their um, struggling device with the successful device. And in turn, sales have risen for the struggling device. Here's Nintendo with the 3DS, a a device that's extremely successful, extremely successful. Um, They have the 3DS and then they have the Wii U that's struggling. If they could perhaps integrate the two somehow, they could probably come up with a way to make people want to get the Wii U. You know, people who have 3DS can, um, you know, integrate with their Wii U games and and can play uh, DS games on their Wii U or or something like that. You know, they they can... kind of blend the two together and create an ecosystem that makes sense for consumers and they might be interested in getting it. You know, there's, there's ways to, there's ways to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They could take a few notes from Apple. Some would say. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Ben? Well, how would you fix it? Ben's gone. Ben's gone away from his keyboard. What? He's, he said he's back. Yeah. And then he's FK again. Lol. Um, we don't know. We don't know what Ben's all, doing. All right. Well, <laughs> here is what I would do if I was trying to salvage the Wii U. I think we've already talked about this. There's only one game that can, that can salvage it, and that's Pokemon. Hmm. When is it my turn, by the way, to be leader of Nintendo? Oh, we just we just asked for you, and you were gone. <laughs> you were gone, man. Well, well, let me get mine out of the way, and then you'll keep. You oh, I did. I did point. say AFK. And then and then you, you AFK it again. Yeah. <laughs> when we got to AFK, like I said, I've said it so many times before. Pokemon MMO will instantly salvage that console, in my opinion. Oh yes. Um, yeah. Like with you guys, I think they're they're pretty much at this point. I think they've kind of abandoned, or they don't care as much for the Wii U anymore. Obviously, you know, Mario Kart is, is still coming out. I think that's exclusive to Wii U. I don't think they're releasing that on the 3DS. But, you know, for for Nintendo, I think right now, there's, they're pretty much still afloat simply because all the money they made on the Wii and the 3DS is, is still selling strong, incredibly strong. And pretty much every Wii U that they do sell is a profit for them at this point. They're not losing any money on the Wii U. And it also kind of brings out the question for me is, you know, everybody's blaming Iwata for, for a lot of the, the failures right now in Nintendo. But I, I always start thinking to myself, like, how much power does Miyamoto still have at Nintendo? And how much influence is he throwing out to prevent a lot of these changes that they need to make? Mm-hmm. You know, because... 
Miyamoto is a very traditional guy. Well, let's face it. These are his franchises. He made them. He made all these characters. He doesn't want to see them. In my opinion, I don't think he wants to see them change drastically in the way that they've been changing recently. I mean, Metroid went from a side-scroller to a first-person shooter. You know, Zelda, you know, they just announced that that Dynasty Warriors version of Zelda. <laughs> you know? Which is why I'm buying a Wii U. <laughs> yes, but how much, like, do you, do you honestly think Miyamoto wanted that? For for his character, I don't think he did, personally. Oh, so I always wonder, so. right, just just how much influence does he still have? That that, uh, I, to me, you know, I think a lot of the woes can be blamed on Miyamoto rather than Iwata at this point, because I think he needs to kind of just step away from from the designing aspect of of games at this point. Uh, it hurts to hear that. It really does, but it hurts to hear that. He's very, he's very traditional. Yeah, I don't think he's willing to change. It's like as a I'm, as creator of a game, it's like it, it hurts me. I'm not even involved in his situation, but it hurts me to think of you know the man creating these characters. And, and you know, I'm a writer. When you create a character, you love that character, and you have a vision for that character. And to suddenly be told, okay, you know, we're losing all this money. We need something different. If you can't provide it, you're going to have to go. And we're keeping your characters. You know, that's that that, that well, feels like that's, a twist of a knife in my own heart. It's maybe that's also the problem. Maybe he's the one who owns the characters, not Nintendo. <laughs> Thus, they can't really say no to him. Right. The the other thing is, I I think it's actually been a long time since he's actually uh, uh, directed a game. I thought he directed uh, Pikmin. Pikmin three. Yeah, I thought so. Um, let me take a look here. He did not. He's just been a producer on a lot of these. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as I'm a producer, there. you pretty much get the say of what goes on. <laughs> right. Um, it it varies, and then there's a number of the the recent games. He's he's not the sole producer on them. I don't know. Um, like he wasn't even the producer on Super Mario 3D Land for 3DS. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of wonder also too, and I think the only people that know are the ones within Nintendo. Um, what power Miyamoto has, and um, he's, he's supposed to, supposedly working on a a new project or something. Mm-hmm. No one knows. Mario. Nah, I don't know what it'd be. I don't think it'd be a new franchise. To be honest, I think it'd be an old one. The rumor is it's a new franchise. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see a new franchise. Um, as for a Pokemon MMO, dude, I'd, I'd freaking love to see that. Um, that said, I, I do kind of have a problem with the idea that one game can salvage a whole console. I don't think it's always that simple, but you are onto something that could be a great step because people, I mean, a, a lot of people, myself included, bought a 3DS just to play Pokemon X and Y. There you go. Imagine imagine the success that that would bring to a Wii U, but the idea is after that, they would have to continue. They would have to sustain all of that, you know? How about but, uh, a free-to-play Pokemon MMO? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, microtransactions. <laughs> there is absolutely no reason for them to do a free-to-play because they know 100% that they will make so much money at a $15 a month. Even, even so, if they make it free-to-play... 
to download. I mean, literally, just have the game for free. Have, either have the subscription for a month, or have sh uh, a hell of a lot of microtransactions. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they'll it would, they'll it have them both. It won't matter. The internet would explode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, Ben. So now, yes. how how would you fix it? Yes, I am now the master of Nintendo. Yes. Um, well, pretty much everything you guys have said, I would have more marketing because in the UK alone, you just don't really hear about it. I still remember last, it was a couple of weeks ago, you know, the whole Wii U uh, issue of the fact that people thought it was just an add-on. There sure. were still people thinking that it's just an add-on. They came up to it and say, will this play on my Wii? And they were holding a Wii U game. Or I think it was um, part of the, is this part of the bundle for the Wii? And they're trying to buy a Wii and they're trying to buy some Wii U games for it at the same time, thinking it's the same console. Yeah. It's just, oh, oh. Uh, well, but anyway, what I would do to save, I can hear myself, uh, what <laughs> I would do to save Nintendo, at least make a game that I would play, I would play this. Imagine this. Dungeons and Dragons, where the person with the gamepad can make the map and design the, the dungeon and can interact with the dungeon using the touchpad. Well, the people online have to play it while you're actually the dungeon master. Oh, mm. that would be pretty cool. You could customize the, the design of the layout by using the pad, and you can uh, say tap uh, tap on the squares that you want, and then put monsters or pitfalls in those parts. So you can, you know, customize it on the fly, and then put it online for other people to play or do like multiplayer. So that way, you could actually customize it while they're playing the actual game in front of you. Sure. So you could sure. be you could be sat there as the dungeon master, and they could be playing it with the normal controllers, hmm. and you're there trying to kill them. Wow. That would be cool. They can even do that with the Vita and the and the PS4. Sure, yeah. the second screen technology. Yeah. yeah imagine mm. imagine that. Mm -hmm. That would be the great. I know Fable's going to do something like that, but you don't have the touch screen, so it's not as cool, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to. I do also want to point out that Nintendo has tried to help the Wii U as much as they can, and they they did it in probably the the best way they could think at the, at the time. I believe is when it happened is when they pretty much took Japan's biggest franchise right now and make it exclusively to 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 the Wii and the Wii U, and that was Monster Hunter, and that really didn't help much. So. I, I'm wondering, will the Pokemon MMO help as much as we all think it will? Hmm. Yeah, um, I think that something like that would help uh, quite a bit. Um, be, I just think that they're in a weird position, right? Because it's, it's so easy for us to kind of sit on the sidelines and point and say, hey, this is everything that's wrong. But we're not in it. We're not in the trenches with them, you know. There's probably a lot of stuff going on. And um, I think a Pokemon MMO, for one, would, even if just like a lightning flash, just, just once only, just increase sales, increase numbers. And I think that they need those numbers um, because they're at a point where developers aren't giving them uh, games. Developers aren't giving them games. And, uh, goodness, I, it's just they need those games. 
Because their own library, their own library, they're one developer. So their own library has a limit on it. And, you know, if, if you can't, if you don't have all those third party games to supplement that, you know, you're, you're standing in just your own, you're, you're standing in just your own little world that you're trying to invite people into and they're not interested because they've, they've seen all your stuff before, you know? So like, like for instance, what would you, would you want to play a, a game console made just by evolution that mainly features just evolution studios games from PlayStation? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Could I pick a time period for this company making games? <laughs> because if I could buy games from Square from 1996 to 2003 4, and have a console just for Square games then yes I, I would I would happily they call yeah. it the Final Fantasy box and then uh, I'd just buy it <laughs> alright well speaking of Square let's change subjects now to Square officially has said that they will now put more time and effort into JRPG titles going back to their roots. Oh, snap. Um, I think this is great news, personally, but this also brings up the interesting point of how many JRPGs have been announced and have released recently. Um, A lot of them are for handhelds, yes, but a few companies have really kind of put the resurgence back into into Japanese role-playing games. Miss America, um, Atlas, Exceed Games, Namco Bandai releasing a bunch of, you know, finally announcing that, you know, the Tales franchises are going to come to the West and, and to Europe. Um, what do you guys have to say? You know, like, JRPGs making a, a comeback. Is this good? Bad? Are we going back in time? I think Kotaku illustrated the, this the best. This was an article by Jason Schreier, I think Schreier, I think I'm pronouncing it right, right, over on Kotaku. And he said, Square Enix has finally realized that people like JRPGs. <laughs> oh my goodness. And he says, all praise Square Enix. Finally. Because I think that there's just been this stigma with gaming for a little while, especially with the success of the Xbox 360 last generation. Um there's just been this stigma that video gaming equals shooters. Like everything has to be a first person shooter or has to have guns or naked women or violence or drugs or or some sort of thing. There has to be this, it has to be quote hardcore or it's not video gaming. Like take a look at knack. Like people crapped all over knack, not because they thought it was bad or good, but just because it wasn't a freaking shooter. It was a platform aimed more at kids, you know, like, come on. Um, so, so and we've yet seen... in the UK we got it to sell more than Mario did yes <laughs> so we have all of this coming on here and, and JRPGs kind of took a dive Final Fantasy 13 didn't do all that well but I think that's just because it sucked I hate that game um, and so you have this just down downcline, decline in, in JRPGs. But the fact is, people still like JRPGs. Look at Persona. People freaking love Persona. And, you know, the, people are interested in JRPGs. Look at Final Fantasy XIV. Like, people are interested in JRPGs. You just have to give them a good RPG to play, you know? And I think that these companies have now started to experiment with JRPGs again and, and find 
people are finally figuring out that yes, people want JRPGs. They just have to be good JRPGs. So um, yes, Square Enix finally um, said, you know what, we're going to develop more JRPGs from now on. And um, I think that that's good for them. The, uh, from what I'm hearing, Final Fantasy XIV looks really great. Um, you have a lot of people looking forward to Final Fantasy XV from them, and I'm eager to see if any new franchises come out of this new direction from them as well. Yeah. Uh, if I remember right, wasn't it uh, Bravely Default's surprising, their sales were surprising to Square, and so they thought, oh, um, that's kind of like what triggered them thinking. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think I think it was, wasn't it? They they single handedly single they they singled that game out. Said how surprised they were. I think it sold like five hundred thousand units or something in two weeks. Yeah, for them, which they were not expecting at all. And that's as traditional of a of a JRPG as you can get, <laughs> pretty much. Because I'm playing it right now. And it, oh, by the way, by the way, guys, I know. Now we're not supposed to advertise other people's videos, but I do recommend watching Jim Sterling's video on this because he he's completely blunt on the point, saying the fact that you know, last generation for some reason all, de- all nearly every developers decided to have some sort of secret developer meeting going. This generation, let's not make silent, uh, yeah, scary games because you know oh, nobody likes scary games anymore we decided to, this right meeting right now that nobody this generation will like scary games for some reason that's and, no i'm just saying that that's what it seems to be you know we do drop so many uh what's it so many types in the ps3 generation really compared to what we did in the ps2 and ps1 mm. and it's all because they knew that it would make them less money and that you know i find that this, you should go watch the video because it's just it's just completely true and the, we shouldn't be rewarding Square right now for going back to its roots when really it didn't need to leave its roots in the first place you no know, you know, yes it's great to applaud them good on you Square you're going back to what we wanted you to provide, you know, provide us in the first place you know yeah, but, but the whole thing stems from change it they had to change with the times, you know. Western Western RPGs were coming up. Bioware became massive because of you know the Old Republic, Star Wars, The Old Republic, and Elder Scrolls. And all of a sudden, it was like, oh, our games have to have these multiple dialogue choices and these massive open world adventures. And I think that's their problem. You know, I know they wouldn't have got the mass market like they were hoping for, but even then, they didn't get the mass market like they were hoping for really anyway. I think if they'd just aimed like they had the previous generations, they would have still had the fan base, and they would have right, you know, rode out the fad that was at that time if they just, you know, kept focusing on what they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to have a bit of an extra bit of money, hopefully, catching on with the new card or the new, as you say, new Elder Scrolls, because you know, all people are excited for it right now. But people get people's yeah minds change quite fast. And public opinion changed quite fast. And yeah. So yeah, if they just kept with what they're doing, even if they lowered the budget to make sure they can afford it, I would have thought that it would have been better because they would have tarnished their reputation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, it's JRPGs and Western RPGs, and they they are pretty different. You know, um, JRPGs tend to be extremely story focused, 
um, Western RPGs tend to be a bit more interact, <clears throat> excuse me, interactivity and gameplay focused. So um, I think because they're so different, yeah, Square Enix really didn't have to go very far. I mean, it was cool of them to it was cool to see them try to experiment with different things, and I think that that's valuable to them. But they really didn't need to to go off the track the way they did. Um, because, again, JRPGs are really different, and there are people that like that about JRPGs. And quite frankly, I don't think that there are many gamers who are going to be like, when they're shopping for an RPG game, oh, this is a JRPG, you know, I don't want to play it just because it's a JRPG. They just want a good game to play, you know? So, um, yeah, it's cool that Western RPGs have all these dialogue choices and, and different gameplay elements, but, you know, people just want a great game. So, so do you think this resurgence could still happen without Square Enix, though? Or is everybody looking at Square Enix like they did in the past? You know, I remember in the past, a lot of articles came out where a lot of uh, JRPG developers, like Enix at the time and Level 5 even when they first started out, they all looked for Final Fantasy to come out to see the changes that they make, the improvements they make, and then they build off of that. Like that was Final Fantasy was always the game everybody waited for to come out to inspire other developers to to succeed as great. I still remember when I lined up to buy because I found out that the that next month's official PlayStation magazine had Final Fantasy VIII demo. Well, the magazine was supposed to come out two weeks before the game, so I actually got up really early that morning to go to town to line up to buy that magazine. Only to find out that someone they had broken the release date and released it two weeks earlier. So I ended up going into that magazine shop, buying the game, and then thought, oh, I'll just go make sure my pre-order's okay in game. Walked into game, and they had a copy of Final Fantasy VIII on sale. I was like, ah! And so I bought it straight away as well. <laughs> yeah. That, that because... was how, how hyped I was about Final Fantasy games back then. I would yeah, literally see... wait outside the door. And that's why I'm like, everybody's now talking about this resurgence of JRPGs ever since Square has has said that they're going to go back to their traditional roots. Whereas I've seen a lot of this already happening with Xseed in particular, who's pretty much took all the games that nobody wanted to release in, in North America, JRPG-wise, and started releasing them here. And it helped them a lot. And then Namco Bandai finally realized let's listen to the fans and start releasing a lot of their Tales franchises here as well. This America has has been bringing all sorts of unique RPGs that we've never seen before as well. You know, Time and, Time and Eternity and and uh, Freedom Wars is now coming out which, which is yeah, uh, what, what was it? I think it's like a God's Eater type, type of game on the Vita. Is that right, Ernest? Yeah. Yep. So I want to. Yeah. I don't want to jump in here. Sorry, Gary. Every time you say that, uh, Nisa America, for some reason, all can hear is Miss America. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I've been getting that too. I'm getting so, very confused at why Miss America re- <laughs> Miss America's releasing JRPGs. Miss N I S. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, I think one great way to um, summarize all this is a quote from Square Enix exec Yosuke Matsuda. He told Nikkei, um, and this was translated by Silicon Era. Uh, he said, due to having split uh, the development mindset according to regions around the world, 
we weren't able to see this clearly up until now, but fans of JRPGs are really spread around the world. Um, so it's like they, they kind of were like, okay, so Western gamers want this, Asian gamers want this, like South American gamers want this or something. And they, I, I guess that kind of blinded them to the fact that, hey, everyone likes JRPGs. People like JRPGs everywhere. We don't have to do this. So I'm glad, Square Enix, that you have come to that conclusion. And I am excited, very excited to see what you come up with. And I'm not excited for Final Fantasy 15. Again, I started with Final Fantasy 13, and I wanted to like it, but eventually I just couldn't keep playing it anymore. And I'm I'm looking at Final Fantasy 15. It looks brilliant, and I'm excited for that game. And Square, if need be, just make a first-person JRPG Space Marine shooting game with covers where you use first-person fireball magic. There you go. <laughs> that was very specific. AKA Mass Effect. <laughs> no fireball magic different uh, oh, don't make him space jesus no more space jesus I don't actually know. make it space jesus that'd be amazing space jesus don't know what you're talking about <laughs> okay. well there's jokes that uh, watch it um, the main character in mass effect is technically space jesus oh okay because uh, uh, have you pl- have you finished Mass Effect Three? I have. Well, whoa, 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 whoa. technically, do not ruin any of this. I okay, okay, I won't say it then. <laughs> Gosh, I want to speak, but I can't because your, of the spoilers. Your has now changed to spoiler Ben. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler Ben. <laughs> now on RDGH, spoiler Ben. <laughs> Fine, no spoilers, but Space Jesus it is definitely. This man has so many nicknames. I have two. I have, I'm the commissioner and, um, let's see, uh, what I do unchained, for some reason, Mike likes to call me G-Man. G-Man? Obviously from Half-Life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, Um, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I don't have that many nicknames. Let's see, you have Ben (laughs) Sterling, you have Chili, you have Chili Willy, what else? (laughs) Uh, ben, spoiler Ben now. Yeah. Spoiler Ben. Spoiler Ben. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Chili Willy. That's the best. <laughs> you should change that to your PSN name too. Well, I could. I could. A lot of people don't know, but you can actually change your PSN name in a way already. Oh really? What you do is uh, this is a bit of a workaround right now, but it is a good way of doing it if you want to. Um, basically, you change. You, you, you link your PSN account to Facebook and then have your Facebook name as whatever name you want the PSN name to be and then show that Facebook name. Mm-hmm. That way, whoever looks on your account will look at whatever name your Facebook name is. I hate Facebook. Yeah, I hate Facebook, but I made a Facebook <laughs> account just so I could have my own names on PSN. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can post videos of me dying a lot. I'm surprised that I like Twitter as much as I do. There was a time when I was like... Twitter's stupid. Who wants to go on Twitter? But now now that I actually kind of found my niche and found out how I like to use it, I, I love Twitter. Twitter's great. I don't know why I use Twitter so much. There's not much I can I'd talk about, really. I just say some words occasionally, and people go, ooh. It always confuses me. I just like to stalk people on Twitter. That, that's all I do. Twitter's powerful, man. <laughs> Twitter's powerful. Alrighty, so one more topic for you guys. We've had a lot of recent studio closures. 
unfortunately. You know, Irrational Games, never thought I'd see that happen. Um, a lot of small indie studios closing down as well. A lot of smaller developers. Um, I believe the, the guys who helped make Aliens Colonial Marines shut down after the failure of that game. Mm-hmm. A lot of layoffs from everyone. Sony, EA, even Microsoft at this point. Um, but there's one thing we haven't seen. And that's Japanese studios shutting down. I remember a time when a lot of people said that the Japanese gaming scene is kind of dwindling down. You know, there's no innovation. Nothing's nothing's changing. It's getting weaker and weaker and weaker. But yet, all the companies I grew up with, Capcom, Namco, you know, Sega, they're all still around. So what what are they doing differently to keep themselves afloat as opposed to the Western studios that are constantly shutting down now, especially in this day and age? Um, I think one big thing is they're not trying to make like $50 billion games. Um, the, the, I've, said, I've long said that the industry, gamers are just ridiculous people because... It's part, partly because of this dumb console war nonsense that isn't really real in the first place. See episode eight. Um, the, it's it's all part of this, but everyone's like, "Oh, we we want the next big thing right now. Like this needs to be next. next I don't even know, but they use next gen as an adjective to describe a game and say it's it's next gen enough or it's not next gen enough. You know, it has to have like." Flawless, every pixel in the freaking perfect place graphics. 60 frames per second. 680 per second. Dynamic lighting. Global (laughs) elimination. Woo! They they demand all of this stuff. And if you don't bring that kind of stuff to the table, people kind of look at your game as a joke. And that's stupid. That's utterly stupid. Um because that's precisely what's tanking the Western gaming industry. Uh, everyone's demanding all of these things without realizing that, hey, this stuff is ridiculously expensive. This stuff is ridiculously hard to make. You know, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of man hours. It takes a lot of technology that's expensive to procure and to use. And at the same time, they've demonstrated that they are not willing to pay a penny extra so they're, they're, we demand all of this stuff, and we're not going to pay for it. But you have to, you have to give it to us, you know. And and that's bad. That's very bad, you know. How can this console industry survive? People are demanding demen- um, resolutions that they can't even see. All right, they can't see these revolutions, but they want them because it makes their console and their gaming sound cooler. And, and it's it's ridiculous. Um, so. Western Western gamers, Western developers are, are plagued with these demands of consumers. Uh, as far as I have seen, again, the, the companies that you mentioned, uh, like Sega and Capcom, or all that, those are the really big international ones. I'm imagining that there are a lot more um, Japanese gaming developers, or are were that we don't know too much about, or that we don't hear too much about. They don't make the news. They only make Japanese games. They don't do much for Western for the Western side, so we don't hear too much about them. Um, so I, I think it's still possible that there have been um, Japanese studios shutting down, just not the big ones. Um, as Sorry? No, go, go ahead, sorry. As, at the same time, it's like those companies, yes, Cap, 
Uh, is it Cap? Who's making Deep Down? Capcom. Capcom. That looks phenomenal, but they're they're really huge, so they can they had the capability to do that, and um, but a lot of and and has of course, that, has that finally got a Western announcement yet? Because last I knew it was Japan only. Uh, they said it's gonna come to US, but they haven't released an official date for it. Right now, it's well. They said they okay. I should say they want to bring it to North America, but right now it's Japan only. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe Japanese games. I know that other areas have different mentalities when it comes to gaming, but um, perhaps people are even if studios have been shutting down, perhaps there's still interest in certain kinds of games that studios produce, you know? So I, I don't, it's hard to say for sure what's going on, but I do know that a lot of Japanese companies aren't really having to deal with this kind of thing that American companies do. What do you think, Ernest? Yeah, it seems like a lot of these um, Japanese companies produce their games for the portable or mobile platforms. Um, and then I think another thing is that they tend to have a lot of diversification. Um, Square Enix uh, produces and distributes anime and manga. Um, they also, um, you know, they, I think what they make action figures and then they do a lot of casual and browser and mobile games which make a lot of money, um, and that's where they've been putting a lot of their emphasis, I know, in Japan, which has upset some of the, the hardcore gamers over there. But, um, you know, it's helping fund the Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 15 and games like that for us console gamers. So that's nice. Um, I guess same goes for Sega. They make toys, figures, and... Um, own and operate a lot of the arcades arcades and arcade machines over there um so i think that's that's what's been helping keep the japanese game companies afloat over there yeah well i've also noticed um i think one of the biggest things that that they're doing that they're not doing in the western markets is the mergers that they're constantly having to to save each other you know, Square merged with Enix, kind of helped both of them out. You know, Namco and Bandai merged, Tecmo and Koei, you know, and the collaborations they always have with each other as well. I mean, all, all I can think about is how much uh, Western Studios could have benefited from, you know, say the two big publishers that shut down, you know, uh, THQ and Midway. What could have happened if they would have merged? Mm. They could still be here, you know. And I think... Uh, a lot of the big, you know, publishers and developers here just kind of really dislike each other. I mean, we know how much Activision and EA have beef with each other, you know. Right. It, it, I think those things like that are really kind of hurting the Western markets a lot here. It seems like in Japan, they know how to save themselves, whereas here, they'd rather just shut down and start brand new again. Mm. That the American companies have a little too much pride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know, like to me, you know, it's sad to see because like a lot of these publishers own so many of these developers. You know, when THQ shut down, how many developers went with them that had to be snatched up by other publishers? 
some of them never got snatched up. They all lost their jobs. Studio shut down. It's I don't know. It's it seems a little weird. You know, recently Ubisoft announced that they have over nine thousand employees working for them. That's insane. Sorry, sorry, I have to do this. That's over nine thousand. <laughs> nine thousand employees. Hmm. That's an interesting point because I I stop and think um, about American com- the larger American corporations outside of the gaming industry and. Um, there aren't a whole lot of mergers that happen. No, you know, um, the, the yeah. last biggest merger that happened was Activision and Blizzard. Yeah. Activision Blizzard. Um, wasn't there NBC and universal was another, uh, big one, mm-hmm. but, and then, but other than that, yeah, I don't, it doesn't happen often. Um, I also wonder if that's has to do in some instances um with the antitrust laws we have um i know they get concerned when some of the airlines want to merge and stuff like that yeah i don't know it's just it seems seems like it's hurting a lot of a lot of people and a lot of design i mean we have a lot of indie developers here in the western markets now whereas i don't really see that many indie developers outside of Japan at least or that I can that I hear about because they still have these big companies like you said you know Square Enix is is a huge uh, publisher of North American titles you know they publish GTA in in Japan yep they do uh, Call of Duty as well yeah yeah so so they're helping at least bring those titles over to to Japan whereas you you think they kind of you know, repay the favor in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Bring uh, some some of the games <laughs> Square doesn't want to release in North America in North America. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's also like they, they're also constantly buying studios as well. You know, Square bought IDOS, which single-handedly has kept them afloat. <laughs> yeah, Crystal Dynamics, that's another one. Yeah, you know, and with these North American companies, they're not really buying them. They'd rather buy the employees or the hand few employees they have. Yeah. I think that get, that gets back to like, kind of like what I was saying with diversification that you look at square and they seem to try and really make sure they don't have all their eggs in one basket mm-hmm. that they don't have everything. And just this or that um, Activision. I know at one point they're the three main pillars that was making the majority of their, uh, their income was Call of Duty, Guitar Hero, and World of Warcraft, and investors were getting a little concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And one thing else thinks that sounds amazing, though. Call of Duty, Guitar Hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> Save the world with your first-person guitar rocking. <laughs> complete the riff to the, the riff 100% correctly and you can defeat the terrorists <laughs> that's how you play multiplayer with the guitar yeah just the better on the guitar gets the kill yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you get you don't get um, you don't get kill streaks anymore you get riff streaks yes <laughs> it's like if guitar hero were a first person shooter <laughs> this is what you'd get <laughs> call of call of call of hero guitar <laughs> duty 
<laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one, Ernest. It's like, I think the investors should still be worried because they still haven't really shown anything else. Yeah, they're still kind of doing <laughs> the same method at Activision. You know, it's, um, you know, Guitar Hero's gone, but now they have Skylanders as a big, big column of support for that company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I just wonder how many studios could have survived if egos didn't get in the way i guess you can say mm. which is which is kind of sad but i'm you know i'm always for new ips too and i think right now japanese studios are trying to bring over more new ips than than western studios are yeah yeah well with the new consoles we've seen some great new ips um a new console is a great time to launch a new ip and then we've goodness we've seen um we're seeing Destiny. We're seeing well. The division is not technically a new IP because Tom Clancy's been going on for a while. Um, we have we're seeing Quantic Quantum Dream Quantum something from Xbox. Isn't it uh, Quantic, Quantic Break? I think Quantic Break. That's Quantic it. Break. Okay, yeah. we're seeing that from Xbox. Insomniac is uh, sending out Sunset Overdrive. You know, we're seeing all sorts of new IPs, and that's good. I'd like to see more. I'd love to see more. Um, I have a feeling, of course, that over time it's all going to settle down and, and we're going to get back into the usual flow of, of sequels. And sequels are great, as we talked about before. But um, yeah, I, I would like to see new IPs. It's just expensive and, and difficult to make new IPs than it yeah, is. Yeah, to- and it's a huge risk for that, yeah. too. I know, I know Capcom took a big risk on uh, uh, Asura's Wrath that came out from CyberConnect. It didn't exactly pay off for them, but they took another risk with Dragon's Dogma and that paid off great for them. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there's Watch Dogs, there's uh, Drive Club, there's, there's all sorts. D- did someone let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? I hear dogs. Who let the dogs out? Yeah, so new IPs are great. I, I, especially from Nintendo, we were just talking about this. I, I'd like to see some new IPs. Mm-hmm. And for Vita. I want to see new IPs for Vita. Definitely. We've been going on and on like retards about how Vita needs some new stuff. I'd like to see some new IPs for the PlayStation Vita. Well, they are coming. They're all coming from Japanese studios. Yeah. Freedom (laughs) Western studios have pretty much abandoned the Vita. (laughs) Everything coming out on the Vita is is Asian at this point. (laughs) Well, Media Molecule hasn't. Tearaway was fantastic. Like, Tearaway was just perfect. Media Molecule is European. Oh, me, yeah, they are European. <laughs> well, they're Western. They're still Western. Yeah, they're still. They would. Yeah, we'd call them Western. Yeah, it's considered Western. Yeah. But that's that's one title out of. That's yeah. So that's one from Japan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Media Molecule. We love you. Yes, and we're looking forward to your PS4 title. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. that that's cool. Crazy puppet one that they showed off. Puppet at- band hero thing <laughs> and it uses move which is interesting I, I'm, I'm glad to see something else coming out for move uh, i'm let me rephrase that i'm glad to see something coming out for move <laughs> boom Ooh, uh... move, 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 move. i was I, I had such high hopes for move when it came out and yeah some people kind of chuckled when they introduced move back in 2010 um but i had some high hopes for it because the technology was really great i mean it, it took away the waggle issue a lot of people were complaining that with the Wii, you know, you could pretty much just shake the controller and win, which I have experienced. Someone beat me just by shaking the controller around, and I was ticked. Um, but uh, it's so precise. 
but they just, they just put out the wrong mentality with, they, I was so mad seeing Jack Tretton stand on stage with the guys who developed uh, some basketball game. Did I say this before on the podcast? I, I was so mad watching them shake their hands like they had just won the Nobel Prize because, you know, they they integrated PlayStation Move into their basketball game. And, they, you know, what would you imagine would be a great motion controller for a basketball? What, what, what would you imagine doing with motion controls in a sports game? Um, uh, in basketball, probably shooting. Really. Shooting, dribbling, passing, all sorts of stuff. Do you know what they did for the Move? They had you point the Move controller at the TV like a remote control and press a button. You press a button to pass, you press a button to shoot, you press a button to dribble. It's basically just like a longer, slimmer, more phallic version of the DualShock 4. Well, what did you want? Then you want to strap the move controller to your ankle and play FIFA that way? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Like you can you can you don't you don't even have to run. I think the running thing is ridiculous. Like you don't even have to run, but like you can do all sorts of other stuff for motion control you you don't have to do it like that and they were just shaking hands like they had just won the nobel prize and the whole message that jack tretton gave out that year was adding move is a great way to make a game more successful or something like that adding move adding move adding move adding move you you make a game and then you add move you tack move on like an afterthought that's what i got from that and that's why when they announced sorcery people it was then that people's eyebrows were raised. It was then that people were like, oh, this is really cool, sorcery. But then we didn't hear about sorcery for like three years. And then when it finally came out, nobody cared anymore. Um, but no one, there was never once the idea that, hey, design a game for move. Look at what move can do. Design a game for move. It was always add move, make move an afterthought. And move suffered for it, which sucks because it was a great, it was great technology. It was better than the Wii. It was so much better than the Wii. It was more precise. It was literally one-to-one motion. We hadn't had that before, and we didn't get to see it come to fruition because of this afterthought mentality that the Move had. Yeah. Well, well at least yeah. the PS4 supports Move. Yeah, yeah, and maybe Project Morpheus will help revive it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, just a bunch we'll of two together, and the PS4 will be like $1,200. Yeah. The thing is, though, will we ever see? Would we have seen the Wii without the Move? I know that sounds weird. The Wii came out before the Move. No, but the but the Move was um, shown off on the PS2 in 2002. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, in 2002, by presentation by Sony. Uh, in fact, Nintendo were actually at the presentation at the time. So wow. it'd been interesting to see what would happen if Sony had actually decided to go into motion controls in. The only reason why the PS2 never got the move was because of the RAM issue. They wanted one-to-one um, support. Sony's but... been, yeah, Sony's been experience, experimenting with motion control since iToy. Mm-hmm. You remember yeah. iToy? Yeah. I, I also love this game called Anti-Grav, Anti-Grav um, because it would use the move controller, but you never once saw yourself on the screen except to like, wave at a, uh, a selection. Uh, like You would press a button, you wave at it instead. Um, the, the controls were so well integrated because it was like a hoverboarding race game. And so your position would matter and you execute tricks and score points and, and bonuses by waving your hands in certain patterns. And it was just really fun. 
but um, iToy didn't take off and they abandoned it um, for the PS3, basically. Well, have a look uh, into well, the PS2 games because in Europe because there was some games... Because the iToy did very well in Europe, so there, there might, I, know there's quite, I think there's a few games that never got released outside Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, look, it, it was... Oh, I can't remember his name now. It's, it was a guy who helped with the PS4 as well. It's Richard something or other. Um... So yeah, have a look into. It. He he did a presentation of the move on PS2. Yeah, and it was all playable as well. By the way, that's pretty cool. So yeah, it would have been interesting if Sony hadn't done that. Whether Nintendo would have gone with the Wii still, if they had never had the idea. Well, when was this presentation? Two thousand and one, two thousand two. Oh, two thousand. Yeah, then maybe, maybe. Because uh, the PS we came out in what two thousand five two thousand two thousand six for Europe. Yeah, yeah. So that's definitely possible. Yeah. They could have gotten some. I, I like that Sony's and Sony's still experimenting. Like they have their labs kind of department, kind of like Google has, where they experiment with new technologies, and like they're talking about face recognition and all sorts of cool stuff. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. future definitely looks bright. Mm-hmm. In some respects, maybe not so bright for Nintendo right now. But <laughs> <laughs> come on, Nintendo, you can do it. We're cheering for you. <laughs> you can do it. We believe in you, kind of, maybe, sort of, possibly, a little bit. <laughs> it's the it's the little engine that could, as far as Nintendo's concerned. Yeah. Well, with that, another great episode of RDGH. This is episode fourteen. Is that correct? Episode yes, sir. Four, we've been doing this for 14 weeks. Success. And I've, Isn't been, that and I've been on it for like eight. I wasn't even supposed to be on this show originally. <laughs> then was never going to be. <laughs> but I'm glad you're here, man. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thank you guys for joining oh, once oh, again. I forgot about the iTunes thingies and the. I, I was going to get oh, to that. Okay, just making ah, sure. I to say thank you first. He's the host. <laughs> Sorry, I just know what we're like for forgetting those things. Yes, you can listen to us every week on Podbean, is it? Podbean yeah. and all your iTunes and iThings that you have in your household. Oh, he said the iThings line. I'm so happy. <laughs> We are also the one half of PSU's podcast, the other one, of course, being Podcast Unchained. So please, listen to them, rate us. Ratings always help. It improves yeah. our quality. It improves everything. So may, I, may I jump in for a quick second? Yes, of course. Last week, I said that if you went on iTunes and gave us a little review, we would give you a shout-out online, uh, on the air. I keep saying online. Um, someone gave us a review actually back in February, which I guess shouldn't count, but it does. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to um, XX Shifty XX, or I'm just going to call him Shifty, who said on iTunes, just started listening at the beginning of this year, 2014. So far, it's great. Both shows are interesting to listen to. Enjoy the reviews and suggestions. Thank you very much, Shifty. Um, you two can have your very own rdgh shout out just head to itunes subscribe and leave us a review nice yes thank you and speaking of shout outs do you have any shout outs glenn do i have any shout outs i have a shout out to you for being an awesome host today was that awesome i stumbled a lot i don't know don't don't let them know you're sweating man (laughs) 
Oh, they don't know. Oh, they don't know. I might have a huge fan in front of me right now. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, right. Where can people reach you? You can reach me on Twitter at GoGlenn underscore. That's at G-O-G-L-E-N-N with a little line at the very bottom called an underscore. Or you can send me an email at glenn.gordon at psu.com. And what about you, Ernest? Um, my shout out is for to tell people not to go see Transcendence. That movie is <laughs> stupid. Um, this man does not like this movie. <laughs> I don't like this movie. This movie. Um, yeah, just wasted, wasted potential, a waste of actors, just a waste of everybody's time, including two hours of my life I'll never get back. Was it developed um, by M. Night Shyamalan? No, it wasn't. Um, the screenwriter was a newcomer, which explains why it's kind of it's just so mad. What a twist! But um, yeah, and then the, but then it has a you know a cast with like uh you know Johnny Depp and Morgan Freeman, Cecilia uh, Murphy, um, and then the director is uh, this is the first time for um, was it Christopher Nolan's cinematographer uh, Wally Fister, I think his name is. Um, so, you know, it has the pedigree there, but just didn't come together. I always say stick to what you know, man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, branch out on smaller projects. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, but then, yeah, um, reach me at Twitter, uh, at Ernst Lynn, E-R-N-S-T-Y-L-I-N or email, uh, Ernest.Lynn at PSU.com. And where can people reach you, Ben? You can contact me at chili underscore UK or ben.chilibearhall at psu.com. My shout-outs are to Chin, as always. Hope you're enjoying your holiday right now. Uh, look forward to getting you on Unchained again. Maybe maybe I'll get you on this eventually. Uh, and to anyone who follows me on Twitter, thank you for putting up with me on Twitter. That's about it, thank you. You're welcome, Ben. You're welcome. <laughs> and you can reach me at Gagalush, that's G-A-G-L-A-U-S-H on Twitter, or you can email me at Gary, that's G-A-R-R-I at PSU.com. Uh, how, are, how are your Twitter followers going, Gary? Slowly. Very slowly. I get I get probably two or three a week. Oh, okay. That's so not bad. Right. At 64 right now. You were at 61 last time. Yes. So it's going. And right, so competition still stands. One hundred, I buy one random person any game of their choosing. Five hundred, I will buy you a console of your choosing. So that means next year we will buy someone a game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's the holiday just... season. People are gonna want games, man. <laughs> they can't afford all. I'm just kidding. Seriously, guys, follow Gary. He's a fun guy. Um, fun to talk to you and he's offering you a free game like what the heck why aren't you following him now yes free every hundred not just that 100 every hundred that means you can get a system and a game at the same time at the same time maybe even two if it's a bundle oh my goodness you're you're, you're sweetening the deal or if, let's just say you asked for um, the uh, trilogy game you might have three let's say mass effect <laughs> trilogy that's technically three games that could be coming to PS4 and Xbox One. There, Last of Us. You haven't played The Last of Us? Now might be your chance. There PS4. we go. Amazing stuff. Just Amazing. don't make it your last chance. 
But with that, thank you guys for KGB Gary. That is me. The Commissioner Glenn Gordon. The Chili Willy, as I call him on this podcast. <laughs> the Chili Willy. The Chili Willy, yeah. Ben Chillville Hall and the prodigal son, Ernest, don't call me girl in. <laughs> yep. Yep. I say thank you. Thank you for listening, and as always, don't be a racist. Be a racist. And believe in Gary. Hashtag.